From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and Adam Hill, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Three o'clock hour is here as we're going to talk to uh, Justin Watkins, ESPN Las Vegas legal insider in just a couple of minutes. Adam Hill across the way. I am here. Uh, let's follow up on what we were talking about with uh, Sam Peniatovich. Uh One, there are odds out to make the Final Four over at Westgate. Gonzaga minus 250. Illinois plus 150. Baylor plus 160. Michigan plus 160. Would you like to bet against one of those or all four? If you could get the no. Uh, well, I'm, I'm currently trying to figure out how to hedge out of my uh, wager. So uh, I've got the no Gonzaga or Baylor winning it. Um, so I'm hoping they all do. I would definitely bet against Michigan making the Final Four. Right. So down at Circa, I don't know the exact number in front of me, but I assume it's minus 220, 230 on the no. You'd bet that? Yeah. I think there's a lot of question marks, in particular uh, Isaiah Livers, who's in a walking booth. They're not sure uh, if he can play, when he can play. doesn't look like he'll be available the first weekend. Uh, they are very vulnerable without him. We've seen uh, down the stretch, they've lost a couple of games here and uh, not having him is a massive, massive loss for this team. I mean, they're still a pretty good team, but I don't think they're a Final Four team without him. And if he's not coming back, uh, I, I think that's a pretty good bet to go no on Michigan. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Well, three o'clock on a, a very busy NFL Tuesday. This is more like the 12 brought to you by. Nova Home Loans. So uh, to this point, we've got uh, Malik Collins from the Raiders off to the Texans, Aguilar off to the Patriots, Tyrell Williams. Uh, we just find out in the last hour or so he's going to the Lions. Rodney Hudson is gone. He's cut around the le- around the rest of the league. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is now on the football team in Washington. Jacoby Brissett is with Miami. Marvin Jones is with Miami. Tyrod Taylor to the Texans and Andy Dalton to the Bears. Uh, keep Hudson out of it because that's kind of a shocker. Are you still blown away by your guy, Tyrod Taylor? Is there another move out there where you're like, whoa, okay, that's surprising? Because a lot of people are reacting right now to the Bears and Andy Dalton, and a lot of Chicago fans are like, what the frig is going on? Well, it just that, that one is just so weird because they were shooting so high. And the Bears, you know, obviously in a good position. They're a similar position, I think, to a team like the football team who have a really good defense, have some weapons, needed a quarterback that could, you know, kind of put it all together. And I thought the football team did that with Fitzpatrick. I don't think Dalton's the worst decision, the worst option, but Bears fans thought they were getting either Russell Wilson or, or Deshaun Watson. It was like, which one are we getting? Which which guy? Which of those two? How about Eddie Dalton? Like <laughs> in a, in a, you know, in a vacuum, it's not the worst decision and the worst move, but at the same time, if you're thinking they're getting one of those guys, it comes it comes off as as awful. Um and then, you know, the, the Tyra Taylor signing is interesting. I mean, obviously to me because of my, uh, you know, fascination with Tyra Taylor, but it's interesting of what are they going to do? And I will tell you this, uh, Sammy P mentioned it. Uh, I was already on my phone and I, I'm surprised he brought it up, but um, I was betting the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. I, I Speculate, have a speculation feeling. that speculation that Cam's the backup, Deshaun Watson is somehow brought in with a bunch of picks. Yeah, and, and I just saw I was just reading. I mean, obviously Patriots fans, 
uh, I think I mentioned to you off the air uh, that you know Patrick Chung had sent out a tweet that said, big, big news coming. Um, Patriots fans are convinced that it's Deshaun Watson being traded there. Uh, but some of the reporters up there were sending out tweets saying that the Patriots have structured these contracts in a very, very interesting way uh, where they still have a ton of space available and it's enough to bring in Deshaun Watson. And like it, it's, you know, obviously the, the Patriots are creative with what they do anyway, but it's just kind of looking out there and saying, okay, wait a minute, what, what are they saving this space for? And what are they, what are they building this team for? Because, you know, what was the conversation we just had with Miles and we had this yesterday amongst ourselves? The Patriots are making all these moves, but it doesn't seem like they, they are making moves that would be conducive to Cam Newton. Like, to me, it doesn't. Like, it seems like they're building towards something else. And who would be the quarterback? Well, if it's Deshaun Watson, it makes a lot of sense that they built this team around him. And they're, that's a team that with Deshaun Watson would probably be a contender. And the Patriots right now are 40-1. to 1. So it's it's very speculative, and obviously if he doesn't get traded there, it's probably just throwing money away. <laughs> but who knows? You think Cam would stay around, or he'd go in the deal? I don't think the Texans would want him. I mean, they just signed Tyrod Taylor, so they're going to have Tyrod Taylor and Cam Newton together, both competing for playing time. And, hey, whoever gets the time gets the incentives. Wouldn't they be more – I mean, I, I think he's – you know, finished at this point, but wouldn't they be more interested in like Stidham? Who knows, dude? I mean, obviously Patriots brass is there, so someone likes Stidham, right? In the past, yeah, well, there was uh, Casario or Belichick. Yeah, I think that would make some sense. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that they would look at Stidham or Cam Newton as a guy that would be like their guy of the future. Obviously, not Cam Newton, but. Um, I think they would they would get a bunch of picks. Maybe they'd get Stidham. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they don't need a quarterback at all. Uh, maybe they'll just go to the season and they're rebuilding and they've got Tyrod Taylor and whoever they uh, draft with one of those draft picks uh, and then just move forward from there. But I I just think it's a it's an intriguing possibility. And it's something like, what is Belichick holding on to? You think he wants you know, first-round picks in 2024, 2025? Exactly. He's, he's going to be an old man at that point. And you don't think there's any chance that the Raiders are clearing all this money out? I mean, it's a big rebuild if you're trying to get, you know, you uh, use picks to go get Deshaun Watson. You you don't think there's any chance that Carr and picks is still alive for Watson with all this extra money they've got? Oh, I mean, it was it was my first thought because it's so hard to piece this together of what exactly the Raiders are doing. Like, there's a lot of like, wait, what what is this? What is the plan here? What's the end game? Uh, and to me, the only thing that would make sense is if they have something massive in the works. So, yeah, that would make some sense if that's what they're trying to do. And maybe maybe several teams believe that they're in. Maybe several teams have been told, hey, the Texans are open to shopping Watson or the Seahawks are open to trading Russell Wilson. And several teams are making moves to try to clear the books enough to bring them in. I, I, I don't know. But, I mean, it would make some sense oh, baby. If, that's what, if that's what the Raiders' plan was. Oh, baby. This is good. This is real good. Justin Watson is uh, going to join us on the way back. He's our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. Got to get into uh, one of these Cinderella's in the big dance. Also some fantasy football, and we'll get his take on uh, whatever happened with that uh, Uber scumbag lady from a week ago who got, uh, well, one of them got nabbed in Vegas. Turns out that uh, one of them, the uh, ladies who were harassing the Uber driver, pulling off his mask, threatening him, uh, might be a career criminal. 
Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. We're slammed with football news. We'll get to uh, back to the NFL in 15 minutes with Justin Watkins. He is here, but uh, we always like to bounce some legal topics off of Justin. What's going on, buddy? I'm getting ready for the tournament. Haven't done any of my bracket research yet, uh, but I'll be doing that in the next day or two. And, uh, you know, I like the upsets. I like to pick the 12s, 13s, and 14s. Sure. That's what makes it fun. Um, how fired up are you for Oregon State in the big dance? I'm really fired up. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to bet them to win the PAC 12 title. Uh, so that was good. That was great. Wait, what? To, I should, I What'd did you get that. Yeah. At? What'd you get that at betting insider? <laughs> no, I only bet them in the championship game. So it was just plus three ten. just, I didn't, I didn't bet them at the beginning of the tournament, although I should have, I, I felt like this was their best chance. This has been their best team in a while, even though their record, you know, they didn't get to 20 wins. They were at 17 and 12, but I felt, this is the best team that they filled in a little while, so I thought that they had a shot. How how dangerous is that sports betting app for you, Justin? <laughs> it's been real good for me lately. I'll, I'll tell you that. I bet uh, I bet Max Homa to to win the whatever the Riviera tournament that he was at at twenty five to one and got it. You, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost. Although last week I bet Doug Gim at forty to one uh, after round two. And then he just compl- and he looked great after round three, and then just completely collapsed in, in the final round. So that one didn't work out too well. Adam, jog our memories. You had a story like three weeks ago about uh, there was some dude who was scamming a business and just kept scamming and scamming and scamming and scamming and just like it got ridiculous. The amount of money the person was stealing. Yeah, he was doing returns. I can't remember the store it was. I think yeah. it was like a Publix. But I mean, it got crazy. Uh, right? There was like, wasn't wasn't like the final purchase, like a ninety thousand dollar purchase. Yeah, he was into like the. It, it started off like you know twenty dollars here, fifty dollars here, yeah. and then within a couple of weeks, as he saw that it, he wasn't getting caught, as you said, it got up to like one purchase, like ninety something thousand dollars. The total was in like the upper hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh my god! So I got a match for that one. Headline out of Texas: A Texas man drove dealership loaner car to rob the bank. And then tried to come back with the money to buy a BMW. Justin, you can't do this, right? <laughs> you can't do it. I mean, uh, only several- in today's world of instant gratification does somebody put that like scheme into play. Like, I'm yeah. gonna wait. I like this this dealer car. I'm gonna take off with it. And then wait a minute. Let's go. I really like this. I want one of these cars, and I need it now. So let's go rob this bank, and then I'll then I'll go back to the dealership and buy buy the car. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Got 20 years in federal prison. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get a pretty stiff penalty when you try to rob a bank. So and let's courts, get an update. Go ahead, Adam. You know, courts don't have, like, some sort of leniency for creativity? <laughs> you know, uh, as, as time goes on, they're trying to take more and more of the discretion away from the judges in sentencing. And for obvious reasons, inherent bias um, is not something that's self-correcting. So you see just... Uh, a, a difference in the the punishment that's weighed in on different races, different classes, different genders. 
How about this one? We got an update on one of the women involved in the uh, Uber nonsense last week where you had uh, three ladies in the car. One was kind of egging it on, laughing. Another one actually uh, grabbed the dude um, and pulled off his mask, took his phone. Uh, one of them was arrested here in Vegas. We actually got the details on the arrest in Vegas. It turns out that she was trying to pull some sort of bank scam out of, at a uh, Bank of America branch right here in Sin City. Yeah, she was trying to do some identity fraud. Uh, I guess they had the bank card and, and some personal identifying information for a person that banked with Bank of America. And according to the arrest documents, she can recruited somebody to go with her to yeah. be that person. And uh, it didn't go over well. They got, they got caught and uh, arrested for that. And that was just a few days after the uber incident so um she's got um, some legal troubles ahead of her in two yeah. different jurisdictions yeah it was uh, uh the bank of that, america on 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 rancho go ahead Adam. no no just on that on that uber incident i mean everybody saw the the real short clip right like where they're just kind of like going at each other in the car if you watch the full video which was posted i mean it's it's just as bad obviously she was she was awful but like it's a weird time where the driver's like, I-, I want you to get out of the car, get out of the car. He's still driving. And then he's like, I'm telling you, get out of the car. And he stops for like five seconds. And they're like, we're not getting out. And then he goes. Like, when you're having a disagreement like that, how long do you have to wait, I guess, to say, get out of my car? Like, is there a responsibility there of you have to give people a certain amount of time? Well, I mean, everything's going to go down to sort of a reasonable person standard. <laughs> I, I can sympathize with the driver who's having to deal oh, with yeah. this, of, you know, of I, I don't know if I just stop and don't go anywhere and eventually they'll tire out and go and get out of the car. <laughs> or if I just take them to where they want to go and well, will I get there more safely than if I stop and, and wait it out? So, um, I mean, if their argument was, well, you didn't stop long enough. Um, his response would be, I didn't stop long enough because you were refusing verbally. You were saying right. you weren't going to do it. And on top of it, you were threatening me physically if I did. So, yeah. of course I didn't. I, I expressed to you I wanted you out of the car. You told me you were going to kick my ass. And here we are. You know. Uh, so I, I just don't think that what they said uh, or, or what defense they would have to that is gonna, really going to resonate with the jury. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not blaming... I'm not blaming the driver at all. I just, I just want to know if there's like a legal standard for like how that plays out and how people should handle a situation. Like it's a nightmare for the driver to be in that situation. Obviously, um, I just, I was like panicking in my mind watching it, saying like, how would you handle this, and what would be like your responsibility as a driver? It's just a weird spot to be in. Yeah, I would take the tactic of don't worry about um, you know sort of the legalese of things there. Um, when you're in the right in that situation like he is, just do what you need to do to get to safety. That's that's the primary concern. It's about safety, not the legalities of, you know, what nuanced argument is going to come down the pipe at the end of the day because you're clearly not a wrongdoer. Justin Watkins with us, our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, Cofield Adam Hill. Ari, on a Tuesday, 5709000 is the number at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Um Boy, it would be nice if you knew when people were getting in an Uber if they're potentially scumbags and criminals. 
but there's really no way to do that. Is there? I saw an interesting story out of Florida, and generally, I think this guy uh, Matt Gates is kind of just being a clown, and this may be a virtue signal for all I know. But the story is interesting. Headline is: uh, Florida rep calls on Governor DeSantis to remove sheriff for using intelligence program to predict crime. Do you know about these programs? that are uh, basically trying to target certain areas and certain people to prevent crime before it happens? Yeah, I I really can't foresee a situation in which this works itself out constitutionally, yeah. <laughs> um, that they're going to be able to make laws that say that, that you can do this or you should do this or implement this. Now, all that being said, if there is a private company that tries to use this software or or this tactic to protect their business and they don't seek any sort of government funding there's no government action associated with that company could they do it they could yeah. um you know because there's no constitutional protections against um against a private company now if the practice itself turned out to be discriminatory then even though they survived the initial step of, of being constitutional because they're a private entity, it is illegal in the United States for a private entity to discriminate based on the protected classes, as we've talked about, based on the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So uh, if that, you know, if somebody could show that the practice and the implementation of that software discriminated against people of color or people of a certain religion um, or national origin, then they're going to be they're going to be in a in a tough situation. We talk legal issues uh, every Wednesday today, a little early Tuesday with uh, Justin Watkins from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Just to wrap up the story to give you a little more information, yeah, four Florida residents sued the sheriff's office in Pasco County, claiming they were harassed or arrested by deputies who were using the program. The office uses intelligence program to analyze arrest histories and other data to predict which residents are most likely to commit crimes in the future. That would seem to be something that would be hard to control and uh, oversee. Yeah, and I, I think it's just bad policy from the standpoint of uh, if if we're really going to try, it, if we're really going to say that when you serve your time and do uh, and for and are punished for what you've done in the past, that you are cleared for moving forward. Right. It, with software like that, it's like you're, you're getting double, triple, quadruple jeopardy for a past crime. Another story where this would be nice, I guess you could use social media if it was obvious, but, you know, in the end, you can't predict that someone's going to commit a crime unless they say they're going to commit a crime. This one's interesting. There were just uh, two more dudes arrested in that attack on the Capitol. Federal authorities saying that uh, Julian Cater and George Tanios carried out a bear spray attack on uh, Officer Brian Sicknick. Well, you know, big problem. This poor guy passed away. Uh, they've been arrested. How serious could the charges be here? Because uh, right now they're saying they don't know if the alleged bear spray attack played a role in his death, but maybe it did. Yeah, they got to wait for the autopsy report to come down to give the cause of death before they could charge anybody with his murder. Uh, if there is a murder, I mean, who, who knows? He could have had a cardiac arrest. I, I, I don't know the circumstances uh, around his death, so I can't. I don't want to speculate, but they have already charged him with assault with a deadly weapon, which is serious, uh, and other tres felony trespassing charges uh, and assault charges. So, I mean, 
these guys got jail time, whether or not the attempted murder or murder goes on to their, uh, their rap sheet. So in a case like this, and, and you mentioned, it could be that we find out he went into cardiac arrest, had a heart attack and, and died. Well, could you, could you make the claim that that happened because you were attacking him with bear spray? Like, could that be causation? Yeah, sure. I mean, you you would have to have some expert opinion uh, to weigh in and say that it is it can be causally related, and that in this situation it is more likely than not, or beyond. Well, actually, it's criminal, so beyond a reasonable doubt that the spraying of the bear spray is what, in fact, caused the cardiac arrest. Um, so obviously, that's a pretty high standard to meet and pretty difficult. Uh, so. I don't know. I don't know if there is any causal link between bear spray and and you know stress on the heart. Uh, so you know I, I would be completely guessing at that point. But yeah, you can certainly try to make those those causal arguments. Um, I think less likely of a successful argument would be well, there was a mob charging. He saw the mob. He got scared and he, he went into cardiac arrest. And you say. Well, everybody in the mob should ch- should be charged with his murder because they shouldn't have been there. They were breaking the law. They were trespassing, and he died as a result of that. Um, first off, you would have uh, a, a difficult time with any of the intent um, claims against them, uh, showing that you, you. So you'd be dealing with you know third, fourth degree murder or uh, involuntary manslaughter. And then second, I think the causal chain would be difficult between those two to say what element of the mob caused the heart attack. We can't put ourselves into his head. Um, Maybe, you know, if he did something over the radio or said something, maybe we can get there. But otherwise, it's an inherently dangerous job and profession. And you're going to be dealing with, you know, dangerous situations all the time. Um, And so I, I think it would be very, very difficult for a prosecutor to try to make that causal link. It's the voice of Justin Watkins, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. On the way back, we're going to get to some football news, including uh, early signs that there actually may be a test down the road to uh, find CTE in the living. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider, Justin Watkins, to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Justin is here, Adam Hill as well. I, I wonder, Justin, if NFL free agency the last couple of days and the planning for it leading into it feels anything like fantasy football, especially for a team like the Raiders who were like, all right, we've got this whole game plan with the offensive line, but right now we've got one guy. Like it's a little bit weird. It's like drafting a fresh unit. Cause they just uh, cut Rodney Hudson at center today. It's it's uh, this seems like the, the craziest free agent period I can remember in recent times. Yeah. It feels that way to me too. It's I love it. I love this, yeah. you know, news dropping every couple minutes about who's going where and complete speculation. I like, uh, you know, the, the prospect of some value on some future bets with some risk of who do you think they're going to get into the future? It sounds great. Adam, do you, want, do you want to present to Justin your uh, your idea of the trade here because um, for Deshaun Watson with the Patriots? Because you just bet the Patriots speculatively to uh, win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, 40 to 1. Uh, the Patriots are. And the way that they're structuring deals, they have enough money to get Deshaun Watson. And we've, we've talked about Deshaun Watson. 
uh, to the Raiders in particular uh, in the sense that his money this year is still a rookie deal. He's still on a rookie deal for one more year. And so, you know, with the cap this year being low and then going up the next couple of years, you can actually fit him in. And the Patriots have structured deals as such that they could fit Deshaun Watson in. They have a, a bunch of deals that are, you know, backloaded so that they pay a lot of money down the road, but not much this year. They have room now. They could add Deshaun Watson. And I said, you know what? Bill Belichick's old. I don't think he cares about draft picks in the future. Uh, you build this team that you have right now and add Deshaun Watson to it, that's a contender. Uh, so I'm going to take a shot. And listen, if they don't sign him, it's wasted money, and that's fine. But I'll take the shot that they make that big splash and go get him. Justin, are you in on Cam Newton on the Patriots, Fitzpatrick on the Dolphins, or Tyrod Taylor on the Texans as your QB1 in fantasy football? Let's go. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't like to draft quarterbacks high. Uh, I know. I don't like to spend a lot of money on, on quarterbacks because I feel like there's not a big separation between, you know, number three and number 15. I mean, there's the top two usually that separate, but after that, um, I feel like there's a more value in going with the number one receiver, or actually, I think the best value is the, always the number one tight end. Too big of a, a difference in, in value between one and two and, and all the rest there. Um, so yeah, I, I could I could see myself having Tyrod for sure. Okay, I don't know about Fitzpatrick, okay. and definitely not Cam. Um, definitely. Wow, I thought you'd have Cam one, Fitzy two, and Taylor three. No, I had Cam last season. It didn't work out so good. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And you said there's a gap with the tight ends after one and two. Who's three? Kittle or Waller? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I guess there is now there is some with Waller being what he did this year. Yeah. I think I think Waller could be in the conversation for two. Yeah, I think I think he's right there. I mean, I, I think still think Kelsey's number one. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, would you draft Waller this coming year in fantasy football ahead of Kittle because of the injuries? Um, I think it's real close, but also like I think it depends if the Raiders sign another receiver like right now. Yeah, you got to you got to you got to draft him. I mean, he might be a first round pick now if they don't have anybody else to throw to. Now he's 170 uh, targets. Yeah, but the Raiders are literally playing fantasy football. They don't have a line. Like they're they're just, they're just going to go out there with receivers and tight ends and backs. It's going to be like 7 on 7 drills. Just, Justin's fantasy team if you need a lineman would be like five Kyle Long, well, four Kyle Longs, guys out of retirement and Colton Miller. That's right. Yep. All about Sounds skill good. position. It's all about the skill position. In real football, it's not all about the skill position. You need you need someone to block. Uh, serious story here, Justin. Five seven zero nine thousand is the number at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. A headline in the Washington Post: Doctors provide consensus symptoms of CTE among living. A major step for researchers. It's not here yet, but this could be the beginning of some sort of accurate test that comes up sooner than later to find out if folks have signs of CTE, which obviously would have. I don't even know what the effect would be on, you know, the real head clashing sports like football, like hockey, and especially boxing and MMA. Yeah. So, I mean, first off, let, let's put the clarifier out there, at least according to the report from the Washington Post, that this is several years off is how it's being termed. Um, but it's a significant step in the right direction. And there, it, there isn't going to be, as far as they can tell, some you know blood drawn and now we know for sure that you have cte 
it's a it's a combination of factors a lot in the way similar to the way that they uh, diagnose alzheimer's there's not like a we drew your blood okay you have alzheimer's it doesn't work that way um so but they, they they feel like that they are on the right path to be able to come up with a test in conjunction with the other factors that they weigh to to be able to come up with a diagnosis while the person's still living and I can't imagine that that is a positive thing for football or hockey, um, some soccer players, I guess. I guess concussions are quite common with the headers. I don't, I'm not a soccer fan. And combat sports, um, on, that's, I think, how it would be seen initially. But as a fan of all those sports, except for soccer, like I said, I would see it as um, – as welcome progress. I mean, it might shorten careers because once you test positive for it, you know, then, then your career is kind of done, but man, I think it could save a lot of people from a lot of damage later in their careers. So I, I would hope that the, the progressives in all of those different sports would see this as a welcoming opportunity. Um, but history says that they probably won't. Well, how much, how much does it open legally to, you know, athletes who do get this and could go after, you know, organizations or, or, you know, MLB or not MLB, excuse me, NFL, NHL, UFC, those sorts of things while they're alive, as opposed to like not finding out until after they're dead. Yeah. So there's two different categories, I think there. And I think this progression would cut different ways for the different groups. Let's say that we have a test that people can undergo while they're still playing and they're not exhibiting any significant factors, they test positive, and then they still play. Well, now they've assumed the risk, they knew of their diagnosis, and they move forward with playing, I think that they would be held responsible for the future damages that come into play, not the leagues. Now let's talk about people who were in the league when they were aware of CTE, but try to downplay it, hide it, suppress that information from getting out there, that they knew that these concussions and these hits were harmful to the brain and, and to the person. So it has to be in that time period from knowledge on. So, you know, more recent, uh, but they have retired and now they're exhibiting symptoms and they now have tested positive, but they have not yet passed away. I think that those cases would become much stronger than the cases that you see now that are brought after a person passes away uh, for the obvious reasons. You can get testimony from the person themselves about how it has impacted them. And you can, you know, take a, a day in a life video. You know, you can, you can show the jury and the judge what it's like to be that person. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that that would be especially favorable when you then have a, confirmed diagnosis of CTE. Justin, we appreciate the spot today. Thanks for uh, being flexible, and hopefully we get you uh, later this week for our podcast, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, guys. There he is, Justin Watkins, Battleborn Angel Alerts, 570-9000 is the number. Give Justin or Matt a call. I'm telling you, these are the guys to lean on. If you need some legal advice, you got a case, you want to go with someone you can trust, it's Battleborn Injury Lawyers at 570-9000. We're about an hour away from checking in with one of the dudes who covers the Iowa State team because that whole thing is heating up with UNLV basketball coach T.J. Otzelberger uh, on the list of candidates to replace 
Steve Prom. But on the way back, really good basketball conversation that I'm looking forward to because I, I am a junkie of early 90s college basketball and Hollywood Robinson, James Robinson, who played in the NBA, played at Alabama. Hey, Alabama could be a Final Four team, right? Adam and I both have them going to the Final Four. Mark McMillan's going to be with us. We'll talk some football. We'll talk some NBA, some college basketball as well with Hollywood Robinson. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. Today's conversation with Mark McMillan is presented by Weed Cellars. Hit WeedCellars.com for the best in wine, bourbon, and beer. Mighty Mac is here. We wanted to talk a little NCAA tournament. Alabama, one of the big surprises, getting a number two seed. So perfect spot today to talk to one of the Alabama greats and a former NBA player in James Robinson. How you doing, James? I'm doing great. Glad to be here, guys. So you are a Vegas guy. Why'd you pick Vegas? And you've been here in Vegas for a while. Yeah, I've been here 20 years, and the answer to that question is real simple. Y'all don't have no state taxes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, man, uh, like I said, first of all, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, it's always good to uh, connect with my old Bama brothers. Uh, you know, right. Usually we talk right. about Roll football, tie. but, man, with the hype and the excitement all year from Alabama basketball, I was like, man, I got it. At first I was like, let me get Rob, but, you know, big shot. Big shot is a little big shot. Yeah, right, right. He, he, he can be a little different. So I was like, let me, let me, let me holler at my guy Hollywood. I know my man Hollywood's going to respond. That's so right. man, I appreciate you uh, being on the call. And, you know, we talked off the air. What do you see in this Alabama team uh, that you saw some of the same characteristics as when you were playing at Alabama, when you guys had a loaded squad as well? Well, I think the, the talent has changed a little bit. What I mean by that is, the uh, offense, the guys are more offensive minded, kind of like I was. They shooting the three a, lot, a little bit, not a little bit. They shooting the three bit a lot. That's a part, a big part of their offense, and and they're fun to watch. And what we didn't have, well, we played a, a lot of defense. It's kind of like when you guys, everybody do their job. Coach Nate Odom's now got everybody playing uh, defense. We're ranked number two in the nation, two or three in the nation in defense. And that's real big for, you know, Alabama. That's kind of like a football, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't know, man. Like, we we all stayed in the same dorm, uh, Brian Hall, the basketball players and the football players. Of course, the basketball players, they had a little bit more juice than us, you know, because it, was, it wasn't that many of them. Uh, but, man, just uh, can you just break down what was it like uh, playing under Wimp Sanders? Man, that was uh, – it was tough. What I mean by tough is he was – he was like, do your job, too. He was very demanding on defense. And that was something I was lacking a little bit. I played defense, but I didn't play Alabama defense. You know what I mean? My defense was more like the offensive end. But in order for the play for him as a freshman, so I had to learn how to play his type of defense, which was Alabama defense. You know, you play defense first, then the offense will come. But back to your point about being in Brian Hall. You're talking about y'all had a – the, the, the recognition. Man, y'all won a national championship. We were just talking about too. Y'all had all the recognition. Yeah, that one that one got me too. I was like, wait, Alabama football was underneath Alabama basketball. I'm like, come on, Mark. Now you're hey, being you're Steve, being humble. Steve, you got you gotta understand, you know, we can't really say on the air, but those basketball players had a lot of juice around campus and in the I community. You talk about Robadori, Latrell Sprewell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we're riding bicycles, and these guys is riding in some uh, some nice drop top, uh, oh. nice rides. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hollywood Robinson is with us. You played at Alabama, played in the NBA. Your high school career was epic. I mean, your senior year, you had, didn't you average like 40-plus? And you had, you had great teams. And that was actually a legendary high school at that time out of Mississippi. Oh, yeah. I averaged like 42 points. And most, what most people don't know, my high school is ranked uh, in the top 40 for most NBA players in the, uh, in the NBA right now. So we had, you know, some guys, and we had a, you know, legendary coach that really made you uh, flourish on the offensive end. Like you said, I averaged like 42 points as a senior, and I did 60 or more five times in my senior year. So I, I had a nice touch for the ball. We had a <laughs> good group of guys who really, you know, stuck together throughout the summertime and played basketball. Even though you went to different high schools, yeah. you competed in the summertime. It was kind of like our AAU. When you went to the McDonald's All-American game, what, what was it like? I mean, I know Shaq was there. There were some other really great players there. Were you humbled a bit? Were you intimidated or, you know, super confident? Mark probably can answer that question. I ain't never humble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm humble to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, but the experience was uh, something I'll never forget. You know, Shaq, Kenny Anderson, Tracy Murray. There was a lot of group of guys who actually made it on to the NBA. Yeah. Um, I think the game, if I'm not mistaken, was in Pittsburgh. Um, just to have those people, uh, the guys, group of guys come in and play and knew everybody was going to go to, you know, D1 schools and stuff. And, you know, back then we read the Jet magazine, so we kind of watched each other in the Jet magazines or what, you know, Tracy Murray or Shaq did. So we kind of competed against each other and stuff like that in that way. And then once we got to, you know, all there together, it was like a brotherhood. It was like a friendship that we're still friends to this day. Now, now, you speak of the Jet Magazine. Now, I know growing up, we wasn't looking at the pictures for the Jet Magazine. We was going straight to the middle. We were going to the middle of that Jet Magazine to see what fine honey that they were featuring for that month. So don't go talk about, I was looking for Tracy McGrady or Shaq. <laughs> you, you know, we opened up that magazine. We trying to say, man, she bad in a mug in that middle. <laughs> hey, hey, that's very true. But, hey, in high school, to get your name mentioned in the back, you looked in the back. <laughs> Definitely looked in the back. <laughs> Mark McMillan, Hollywood Robinson, and James, you went on to play at Alabama, and uh, and Shaq was in the league, and you played against Shaq when, I mean, he was super powerful, but, like, he weighed, like, 260. And, like, you you look at him, you, he, he was skinny, but, man, I remember him him dunking, and it felt like every time he was just, like, slapping the backboard. <laughs> the SEC in those days was outrageous with the talent because I haven't even mentioned Arkansas yet. Now, that Arkansas team, when we played Arkansas and Birmingham, people don't realize both teams, Mark and Steve, we had 13 NBA players that got drafted. Yep. The next Between that year and the next year, man. It was crazy. So Kentucky was good. Arkansas was loaded at that time. Tennessee was loaded. I mean, we had some talent. We had some talent in the SEC. And you definitely, like you said, LSU, that first, my first year that I sat out, they had Stanley Robinson, Shaq, Mahmoud. Uh, Vernell Singleton, they had a squad, <laughs> man. FCC was really low. It was ridiculous. Yeah, you lost to, I think, in the NCAA tournament to Arkansas, and that was the year. They didn't even win the national championship that year, but they, when I was looking back at the numbers, they averaged 99.6 points a game back then. As the three was starting to grow, they also took 17 threes a game, which was like unheard of back then to take that many threes. People don't remember they was called the 40 minutes of hell. They yep. picked up and pressed you the whole time. My kind of game, Mark, I loved it. Every, if you go back and look at my stats against Arkansas, I played really well. That, I would have fit in really well with them. But I'm glad I went to Alabama. I'm just saying that the way they played, you know, it was fun to watch, even fun to play in the game. Being a parade All-American and, you know, obviously, you know, there's Kentucky's, the LSU's, all those schools that uh, was on your list. What made you choose Alabama some of the, or, over some of those schools? 
Man, I'm going to be honest with you. I had came to visit uh, UNLV. That's when they had Larry Johnson. They won the national championship. I almost signed with them. I called my mom and I was like, hey, I'm going to sign with UNLV. She was like, no, wait a minute. Because she had developed a, a relationship with the, uh, one of the assistant coaches, Kevin Gray. So he was like, uh, she was like, wait a minute. I want you to just go down and visit Alabama. And, you know, they set up a visit. Why don't you just check them out? So I was like, man, Alabama. <laughs> I mean, I knew of Alabama because, you know, they was in the SEC, was in Mississippi because, you know, I used to watch the SEC basketball. But I was like, Alabama, I really go to LSU before I go to Alabama. Cause, you know, I was recruited by, you know, dang near everybody, Georgetown, you know, uh, Dale Brown, Kentucky. So that's what made me go to Alabama. Came to a football game on a Saturday. Mark, you weren't there. They walked me out to the football game at halftime, and they put them loudspeakers on. And they was like, uh, Gary Wade gets the ball and passes to James Robinson. But, you know, half of the fans had left the stands already. Mm-hmm. And then they said they passed the ball to me, and I hit a three-point shot to win the game. The fans started yelling, and I already loved football. It was over with. <laughs> That was a wrap. <laughs> I'm going to Alabama. I need to, I, need to go, I need to go see these players, man. I had forgot all about the basketball. And I hadn't even seen the arena yet because we was kind of late, so we just went straight to the football game. So it was just right on time, man. And then people pat you on the back. Nobody else did that. I went to Kentucky. Wow. I went to uh, UNLV. I almost went to Georgetown. But when I, as soon as I left UNLV and went to Alabama, that was it. I was like, I ain't going nowhere else. I'm going to Alabama, y'all. That was a wrap. The crazy yeah, thing is, that, I was going to yeah, say, I, if you if you had gotten to UNLV, you would have been coming onto a team probably with Greg Anthony and Anderson Hunt. I mean, I guess they I guess they would have played you because you, you had to sit out the first year, but after that, I guess they would have played you from the get go. But my God, talk about the the flow from one great team to another. <laughs> that would have been a ridiculous group because there was a point there was a class as they were kind of pushing Tark out at UNLV where they were talking yeah. about landing Jason Kidd. Um, a couple years later, along with uh, Ed O'Bannon, like it was really starting to roll there, where Tark was going to get like top twenty-five guys, and then the school administration just blew the whole thing up. Idiots! Yeah, they, they really did. And who, who made that work was uh, Gergovich. Yeah, uh, Gergovich was the guy who kind of recruited me. He, he, I mean, Tark, you know, was so big, you know, for us, us players. He, his, he was like the uh, the Nick Saban. So when you got around him, he was like, "Oh my God, I'm around." You know, Tark as a player. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because he did so much for the game. So the the, the assistant coach once recruited you, and once nine times out of ten you got in front of Jerry, he closed the deal. It was just this one time he couldn't close the deal with me because I tell me I, I really thought I was going to UNLV. Wow. And he, my mom was like, "Give Alabama a shot." Man, I'm sure I'm sure the I'm sure the UNLV uh, fan base is gonna be uh, excited to hear like, man, we could have had Hollywood <laughs> Robinson playing, and then you know, obviously going back. To Alabama, that was kind of like the same uh, scenario when I would uh, took my recruiting trip. Man, it's like I, I went there. There was Keith McCants, there was Derek Thomas. Uh, right. you know, I, it was it was in the winter time. You know, it was cold. I, I didn't get a chance to go to a game, but walking into the locker room and seeing my jersey up, I was like, I was excited. I was like, yeah. man, you know, there, there were some schools that was <laughs> yeah. recruiting me, but I was like, nobody. Derek Thomas, isn't, you know, he don't just walk yep. through anybody's door and. <laughs> Uh, you know, Keith McCants, uh, you know, Sarans, there was a lot of guys there. And I think that family uh, vibe kind of, you know, really made me feel good as well. And, you know, just talking about some of the guys that you played with, you know, there's Spree, there's Robert, uh, you know, there's Gary Waste that was there that was earlier. Um, you know, there, Marcus Webb, you know, that, that oh, team was – Big Webb, oh, my God. Yeah, that, that team was loaded. <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, when you guys played, guys missed school. 
Like we you know, if you didn't get if you didn't get to uh, to the arena early, early, yeah. If you play in Kentucky or LSU, like like man, they're playing Shaq, and you know, knowing you guys, you were like, man, I don't give a crap about no damn Shaq. <laughs> right, exactly. Man. People don't know it was it was tough. Both 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 sports, football and basketball. And the thing, Steve, that made us so good, we stayed on one end of the hall. We got along good, man. We 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 wrestled and stuff together. We watched each other back when the, the sororities tried to jump on us or get on us. And stuff. Yeah, All right, stick around, guys. James Hollywood Robinson and Mark McMillan are with us. Two Alabama guys. Hollywood played in the NBA with the Blazers, the Clippers. And the Timberwolves. So on the way back, we'll talk about some of his experiences in the association. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios.